With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We all take on different roles every day. One minute you're a parent, the next a chef, or a driver. That's why the Volvo XC40 Recharge is designed to be as versatile as you are. It's fully electric and includes a 360-degree camera, Google built-in, and more. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC40 Recharge. For every you. Some equipment optional. Google is a trademark of Google LLC. Welcome to the Five Year Plan podcast. It's the final of our mid-season winter break interview specials, and this is a big one. It's the face of not just the NBC, USA's Premier League coverage, Rebecca Lowe, who of course is a huge Palace fan, and we cannot wait to share it with you. It's an absolute belter. I'm also here today, and he was on producer duty for this episode. Is Jack Pierce? Jack, how are you? Hey JD, yeah, I'm, I'm good, thank you. Uh, yeah, pr- producer duty pressing of the button hopefully i pressed all the right buttons at the right time you did you did it sounded great it sounded lovely and we should okay. say as well that kevin stepped up to the plate and did hosting duty this one because I, I had a work thing last minute which meant i wasn't able to get back in time and of course kevin did a great job he's an absolute pro and i thought that the both of you were superb on this and it helped that rebecca knew kevin from their match of the day two day i didn't even realize that so i thought the the banter is lovely it's a great episode i think the two of you did a great job rebecca was brilliant as expected Uh, it's a brilliant listen there's some lovely stuff in it and it you know it covers a range of different things i thought it was a great episode so from me to you and kevin jack well done it's a a lovely episode well thank you that's very kind of you uh yeah hope listeners enjoy it and it was a a pleasure to be on and, and rebecca was was great so um yeah really excited to hear any feedback anyone has or hopefully everyone just enjoys it and happy, happy Christmas, guys. <laughs> and we remembered the patron questions. Well, we did. That was my one task. I mean, I had I had two. One was press record, yeah. and uh, the second was to, was to remember patrons. But uh, again, we did cover some uh, topics raised by patrons, but actually some of the questions were really nicely timed, and yeah. hopefully they, um, they fit in quite nicely. So I've produced 451 of these. You've done one. You're already a better producer than I am, because <laughs> I forgot the questions in the previous two episodes. <laughs> Right, there you go. All good, all good. But um, yeah, hope uh, yeah, just hope everyone enjoys it. And we should say as well, Rebecca is a huge name for us to book on this podcast, and we really appreciate her time. Very busy. It's, this it was nine a.m. Uh, California time, and she's a very very busy person, especially during the World Cup. She's given us an hour of her time. She is a huge face of the face of football in the states as well. So it's a massive booking for us. Really good. It was a bit of a pie in the sky suggestion when we were talking about potential names and uh, somehow we made it happen i think we need to thank 
Mr. Fifield for maybe uh, yeah. making the connection. But uh, yeah, it, it was great. And uh, particularly for our American listeners, international listeners, um, you know, Rebecca is the face of, of the coverage you watch week in, week out. Um, so yeah, it was great to get her insight into being a Palace fan, but also how the game's expanding in the States. Yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of really interesting stuff. If you're not someone that watches US coverage, which I don't, a lot of really interesting stuff about what happens over there. So it's great. And to have someone who's Palace through and through uh, leading that is, uh, well, I think it makes us all proud as Palace fans. Jack, shall we dive in to this, we, this our final waiting. episode? I mean, what, what, what a way to go out. From Aaron Wilbraham to Rebecca Lowe. What a journey it's been uh, via Doc Brown. Um, yeah, no, we've kept people waiting long enough. They've uh, probably fed up of rabbiting on pretty pressed... 30 on their uh, on their app <laughs> a few times. Um, so yeah, let, let's get on with it. Okay, so this is Rebecca Lowe on the FYP podcast and over to Kevin who uh, is taking over hosting duties. Hello and welcome to the Five Year Plan podcast. Oh, JD is right. It is disappointing when there's no cheer. This is pod number 452. Jim Daly, your regular host, is away filming something mysterious, which I believe may be a recruitment advert for the Russian army. So he's asked me, Kevin Day, to host this very special FYP pod with an interview with a very special palace celebrity. Joining me is Jack Pierce. Jack, have you got anything remotely interesting to say about our two high-profile friends? This? No, uh, I didn't on. even know that we were playing the uh, the second one yesterday. So uh, I, no, I don't. I, I had two friends around on Saturday, and halfway through the afternoon, we went, "Have we got a game today?" <laughs> so we checked the score, and it was a disappointing. Uh, shout, shout out to the Botafogo fans who uh, who did make Sellers Park yeah. a little bit more of a, yeah. an atmosphere. Yeah, I, I'll be honest with everybody. Jack's here in more of a producer role because when JD asked me to step in. I naturally agreed because I'm a huge fan of our special guest, but I panicked a little bit at the thought of pushing the buttons and accidentally erasing the internet, (laughs) (laughs) which can happen. Um, Jack will be back because Jack has some Patreon questions later on, I believe. Um, I do. I'm also led to believe that you forgot to ask them in the last two World Cup ones. Yes, the last two specials we asked for questions and uh, yes, unfortunately forgot. So we have made a special, special effort to remember this week. Right. Let's meet our guest who's um, on a time schedule because she's very busy. Um, (laughs) Our guest began her broadcast career with the BBC before moving to ESPN to co-host their Premier League coverage. And for nearly 10 years now, she's been the face Mm -hmm. of Premier League football in the United States, as well as the Olympics, I might add. But more importantly, she's a massive Palace fan. Jack, I'm relying on you here. Give a huge round of applause for Rebecca Lowe. <laughs> Woo! Oh. Yeah! <laughs> Hello, guys. It's Rebecca, so how are you? I, Kevin, I, well, first of all, I'm great. And it's just so lovely to see your face again. Because, I mean, I don't know, Kevin, maybe nearly 20 years since I've seen you in real life, in the it, flesh. It, it, it could be. And I was about to say, one of us has barely changed a bit, Rebecca. Have you? <laughs> 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 it is that long, isn't it? And just, and, and look... Look what's happened to us since we we first met in those those bright young days. You're hosting America's Premier League football, and here I am standing in for somebody on the FYP podcast. <laughs> How's that? Well, 
<laughs> I know it's a little bit mad, but no, I remember the first because there wasn't there are not many Palace fans around. I mean, let's be honest. And I remember being at Match of the Day in the offices there, uh, and Match of the Day two had only just recently right. started. Was that that's correct, isn't it? And Adrian was the presenter, and you were the regular yeah. fun feature maker. Mm-hmm. And um, it was so great when you walked in because I'd occasionally see Brighty, which was you know I was trying to keep calm inside, but loving him. I did end up telling him, um, and now of course he just like dines off that. But and then you walked in and I was like, yes, there's another one. It was great. It was so lovely. So, yeah, I can't believe that was sort of 2002, 2003, something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was. Yeah, well, Brighty, of course, loved being in a room with Adrian Charles because it meant for once he was the cheery one. <laughs> <laughs> Which, because as we know, Adrian, <laughs> you would never mix Adrian up with a ray of sunshine, even on a good day. Um, Rebecca, it's brilliant to talk to you. And I wanted to, we'll talk about the old days later on. But before we talk about all things... Palace, let me briefly ask you about the World Cup um, uh, in America. Was there the same um, debate about Qatar as a venue in the United States? And is the United States still gripped with World Cup fever, even after that nil-nil draw with England? So to answer your first half of the question, yes, there was. Still huge, huge debate about the destination being Qatar and all the problems and all the controversies, Kevin, that comes with that. So that was very much on the agenda across all the media. Um, And we had the same conversations, you know, on the podcast that I'm doing, on every podcast actually based here in the States, on every um, news channel. Yes, same conversations. Um, I think it's slightly more prescient because the World Cup is coming to America in yeah. four years' time. So they just took a little bit more interest in that. Um, and, of course, there are, the, there are the conversations that are saying, well, the other side of the coin, are you going to shine a light on all the things that happen in the United States that aren't the best? I mean, there was a shooting in a gay club during yeah, the World yeah, Cup, yeah. I think, in the first week. You know, yeah. So by no means, I don't think, as this country, just like the UK, by no means are the vast majority of people suggesting that this country is free of problems because of course it is absolutely not. So we do have to always just be a little bit careful, I think with that. Um, But yes, it was definitely much on definitely very much on the agenda in terms of world cup fever. Now, Kevin, now that the United States have gone home, I would say it's, it's definitely decreased a little. I think that the the day before USA played Netherlands in that round of 16, I did sort of three or four appearances on various news programs in the morning, which was like so unusual, like kind of big news programs Mm. that normally wouldn't go near it. And then as soon as they went out, it's been radio silence (laughs) ever since. So I think that that has played a big part in, in the fever coming down a little bit. Having said that, let's not forget this is a melting pot. And yeah, there are so many people in this country who have two teams. They wanted USA to win, but they're also their heritage team, whether that be, you know, Spain or it's um, not Italy or France or Mexico, whoever it is. There is still an interest, without a doubt. Um, I think it would, in a funny way, I would say there's maybe more interest in the World Cup um, after USA has gone out, then there would be an England after England went out. If England okay. had gone out in the round of 16, just down to the fact that it is such a melting pot and there are so many fans here of other teams. I mean, the Mexico contingent here, of course, is huge. And there were sort of 20 million people watching Mexican mm. games. So, um, yeah, I would say that it's still there. But in terms of core USA fans, not so much. I, I watched that USA nil-nil draw in a TV studio with Darren Bent and Sam Allardyce. Um I've never heard an ex-football manager use the phrase hoof it 
so much as Sam Allardyce. Also, just hearing Sam Allardyce go, look at how, how he loves. At least Harry Maguire doesn't try and play football. Look at the rest of them trying to play football. Just defend. A rose One stage, Darren Bent went, I don't think there is a rose I don't think it's that big a stadium. Now, forget, forget, the, forget the World Cup, Rebecca. Forget, let's get back to our experience. Kevin, can I just interrupt there? I think that's a great idea for a World Cup 2026 magazine programme. Darren Bent and Sam Allardyce watching the whole tournament together wow. on a road trip. <laughs> Well, that, well, the trouble is it'll be an eight-week program because it's barely a team that won't be at the next World Cup. Well, that's true, that's true. But, but Rebecca, you're more than welcome to take that to NBC if you want as well. So, uh, yeah, please, I, absolutely. I, yeah, it's lovely. That's lovely, Jack. I will yeah, pass thanks. it on. Yeah. So, Sellers Park, Rebecca, why, why Palace? Because I understand you're a West London girl originally, aren't you? Yeah, I was born in uh, Hammersmith, grew up in Ealing. Well, my dad grew up in Caterham in ah, Surrey. Ah, okay. And so grandpa, his dad, took my dad to the terraces, the standing, of course, in the 50s. Um, and because that was that was the local team. And that was it for my dad, of course, of course. So that was Palace. And then it was in, a, I think it was around 1989. Um, dad, for some reason, he can't even remember, had a spare ticket um, to the game. I think it was against Everton. And we had a, he had a spare ticket in the Arthur Waite stand. And obviously couldn't find anyone to go with for whatever reason. And I was nine. I'm not quite sure because in those days, I'm quite amazed that he would even cross his mind to take his nine-year-old little girl to a, to a football match. Cause in the eighties, you know, it wasn't, wasn't always the best, um, but he did. And I went and it was, it was life. I mean, it was life changing. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I mean, the, but by the way, the toilets and the Arthur wait, <laughs> there was like one toilet for the whole stand for the females. Good Lord. But um, I loved it. I loved it. And I became, and then what happened so well with me was that the 1990 World Cup happened straight after, you know, the following summer, which with the Gaza situation and everything that went on at Italia 90, not to mention the music, just the whole thing just got me. And that was it, really. The the introduction to Palace, followed by Italia 90, and I was hooked for life. <clears throat> to be fair to your dad, a lot of people had spare tickets to sell us back <laughs> in 1989, to be honest. Is it true, by the way, that you used to walk to school with Peter Crouch, just apropos of nothing? <laughs> it's a great little story. So, walk to school with Peter Crouch, yes, but not together. So, separate sides <laughs> of the road. So, no, so, then. <laughs> so, kind of no, but in parallel. So, he would walk to school to Drayton Manor, where he went, with his uh male pals and i would walk with my female pals on the other side of the road to our girls school and we all lived in the same area grew up in the same area and we would all walk like i say in parallel on either side of the road go to the sweet shop kind of make eye contact look whisper to each other talk maybe exchange a valentine's day a card or or, or oh. two um over the years and then all leave again but no one spoke to anyone and then we continued on our journeys same on the way home four years right four <laughs> years and then when i eventually he went off to qpr at about 16 i think he left school at 16 went to qpr and i then saw him about five years later because I, I was probably only about 21 when i did a football focus interview with him when he was at southampton 22 23 maybe mm. i was and I thought, oh gosh, is he going to, is it going to be one of those, does he remember me? Does he not? And I walked in the porter cabin that they had down at Southampton at the time. And he looked at me and he was like, hi. I was like, hi, should we talk about how weird it was? <laughs> He's such a nice guy. But yes, so I remember Peter, super tall with a tennis racket slung over his shoulder every morning and every afternoon. It's, we're recording this on Zoom and it's such a shame our listeners can't hear it. So I don't know if you did it subconsciously, but you were doing the robot dance all the way through that, <laughs> that story. <laughs> <laughs> Doing it very efficiently, I have to say, as well. Who who are your first Palace heroes then, Rebecca? And, and did you get to meet any of them? 
No, I don't think I did get to meet any of them. I would, because the place to meet them, of course, was by the player's entrance, which is really accessible for the fans. But my dad and I had a set pre-match routine where we would get, I mean, we would arrive very early. We would leave Ealing around 10, 10, 15. We would park in a, in the same side road um, on the other side of the ground to the player's entrance. And we'd always get a spot. Can't do it now, but we always got a parking spot. And then we'd walk down. We'd go to Crystal's. Did you ever go to Crystal's, Kevin? I had my wedding reception in Crystal's. Stop it <laughs> right did, now. <laughs> I had <laughs> I had two wedding receptions, one in Crystal's and one at the comedy store. So, yes, uh, of course I used to go to Crystal's. <laughs> I mean, it was great. So we'd go in and we'd be about usually the first one. We'd go to the shop first, get a, get a programme. We'd be there about 12.15 as it opened. And two sausage, chips and beans twice was the order we put in for our lunch. Dad would get a beer, I'd get a Coke, and we'd sit in the tables. And and then Barry Williams, right, yeah. was the guy who, yeah. oh, God bless him, who oh, ran it with a great, great couple of hours in there. And then we would go to our seats and it never really crossed my mind to go to the players entrance. So, and at the end of the game, we had to always sort of get off home and dad, you know, no, nope, not hanging around. So I never met them, but my, my, until of course now I've met them because it's Ian Wright, Ian Wright, Mark Bright, big hero, John Salako, huge hero. Mm-hmm. Um, though, those were my very, and Nigel Martin, very, very first Real heroes was that classic team. Oh, that team! It's uh, meeting Nigel Martin's quite difficult. It's the same as meeting Don Rogers because after two minutes, you have to because the first thing they always said, Nigel Martin says to me, "What are you laughing at?" It's, it's the accent, Nigel. I'm sorry. It's just, <laughs> you just don't expect it. So it's that brilliant sitcom accent. Don Rogers is exactly the same. Don Rogers is brilliant now because he's gone from that shaggy black hair and black moustache to shaggy white hair. And white moustache. But do you know, so often comes up, Rebecca, when you talk to Palace fans and other fans as well, those those childhood rituals, that tradition, that week in, yeah. week out routine. And you never forget, it's like you can you can reel it off now. Oh. You know, it's that special time with your with your dad. And it is just those memories you I don't think football was ever quite as good as that first or second season that you that you that you start doing it properly and you remember everything photographically, don't you, from those times? Oh, you're, Kevin, you're so spot on. I remember the toilets at Crystals. I remember you would go in the toilets. <laughs> you're obsessed with crazy. toilets, Rebecca. I know, I, I know, <laughs> uh, because for some reason the door, the windows were always left open in those toilets. And I remember the, 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 the steps down, and I remember seeing the kitchen behind where you get your sausage chips and beans. I remember the crystals like the back of my hand. I remember what the tables looked like. I remember yeah. the top of the tables were like a brown mottled. Um, and I remember, I just, yeah, and I just, I just remember every single part of it. And it was, but at the time, I don't think you really realise that you're kind of living the dream. You know, age 10, 11, 12, 13. This is, the, this is like you say, as great as it's ever going to be. Quality time with your dad, which when you're a kid, you don't realise it's quality time. You're just, course, you're just with your dad. Um, and it was just, yeah, it was so, so wonderful. And then on, you get in the car on the way home and you put 909-693 and Radio 5 Live. And, and I rang in once and spoke to David Meller um, on 606. <laughs> 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 what was I doing? Um, but I was, yeah. I, and I was also very different, Kevin, because, of course, there were not many, in fact, none uh, girls in my class mm-hmm. who had a clue what was going on in the world of football. So I was kind of very much an outlier. But again, when you're a kid, you don't... When you're an adult and you're an outlier, you're self-conscious about it. Yeah. When you're a kid, yeah. you, I, I wasn't at all. I, it was just very natural for me to every other weekend go to Palace, go to Crystals and do everything with my dad. And it was it was magic. I wish I could turn back the clock and do it all again. 
And what was your dad like as a as a fan? Was he demonstrative? Did he sit there quietly? No, he... no, he was pretty pretty quiet, pretty good, pretty quiet. My dad, I think I think he struggled a little bit with listening to the the chants that would come out um, with me there, <laughs> and, and you know various ones about from South London, and you know you know the ones. Um, and I never asked, and he never explained. I just he didn't <laughs> sing. He was not a singer. So, um, but he he was he was jubilant. In the moments to be jubilant, but he wasn't. No, he's certainly he set a very good example. My dad did. Is he still going, Rebecca? Your dad? Oh yeah, he sits. Yeah. yeah, he sits in the main stand. Yep, he sits in the main mm-hmm. stand. Still goes, and um, no crystals, of course, anymore. So he has oh, a whole new routine with the um, blue and orange restaurant on Thornton Heath High Street, which is where he goes now. So things have changed. I should not, look out. Not, should. Well, not this week's sponsor either, Kevin. So unfortunate. The uh, after, <laughs> after future weeks, the blue and orange. We'll I shall. I shall look out. I shall look out for him. Please do, yeah. Hey guys, it's Jim here. We'll be back with Rebecca, Kevin and Jack in a minute. I'm just jumping in to let you know that this week's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Mental health is an important subject and it comes up on the podcast from time to time. And that's why we're delighted that BetterHelp are back sponsoring the podcast as they have done a few times earlier this season. You know, life can be difficult at times, can't it? When life's going great, obviously everything's easy. But when it's not, it can be difficult. And, you know, life doesn't come with a user manual. So when things are going badly, you can often feel overwhelmed and not sure what to do. And that's where therapy comes in. Talking has been proven to help in difficult times, talking through your issues and I can say that from personal experience as well and that's where better help online therapy comes in going to see a therapist can seem overwhelming sometimes but with better help they bring the therapist to you you fill out a brief questionnaire and then better help will match you using your answers with the best possible therapist for you online so that means there's no waiting rooms no traffic no endlessly searching for the right therapist they bring the therapist to you You can have your camera off while talking to your therapist if you don't fancy that. It's all designed to make it as comfortable as possible for you to talk through your issues. I mean, really, it couldn't be any simpler. Whether you suffer from SAD, seasonal affective disorder, have career frustrations, new relationships, or being a new parent, for example, something I do know uh, a lot about recently, therapy is a great way to talk through all your issues. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of your challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex engine called you. And as the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% of the time online. Plus, it's affordable. And BetterHelp are offering FYP listeners 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com FYP. BetterHelp are making therapy affordable and accessible for everybody. So to get 10% off your first month, go to betterhelp.com slash FYP. That's betterhelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash FYP. Yeah, and so, of course, it wasn't long, Rebecca, after that, that you were working at the BBC, uh, luckily David Miller had gone. You you reported, luckily for you in particular, David Miller had gone. You reported on a, a, a lot of games, didn't you? As I did, 
Yeah. What was it like covering? Did you ever cover Palace games? Was that weird? Oh, Kevin, it was the game. I, I was there for final score at the at the Charlton game at oh, Charlton no. when we went down. Yeah, oh, no. and I know I, I'm not quite sure why they sent me to that. Actually, it was kind of an error because. Malice. That was really different. Yeah, yeah, because I think because I was so young and so new to the job and I don't know about anybody else, but I will always say that final score for me was the hardest job I've ever done. I found it so, so I would feel sick. I wouldn't eat all morning. I would get to the ground. I would panic about plugging in the ISDM machine. I was the only girl, nobody, which yeah, is yeah. another thing which made me feel really alone <clears throat> then the game would start and i was so young kevin that this whole thing was new to me so what the, yes i love football and i understood the game but identifying you know the ipswich left back something who scored a goal i'm like just like oh my god and they didn't necessarily have screens and nobody wanted to help me and sometimes i would really struggle and i would and they would come to me you know stubsy ray stubbs who was hosting it would come like immediately after the goal and luckily i never had a moment where i got anything wrong but i was always on the edge of my seat and struggling with that but that game in particular I found really difficult because I had to be obviously neutral and Palace went down and they came to me on the final whistle. In fact, they came to me a couple of seconds before and then the final whistle happened while I was live on BBC One and that was one of the hardest things. Yeah. And and then I just sat in my seat afterwards and cried. I did. Uh, I I found it. I hated doing Palace games for Max of the Day 2. I hated it. But I found, and I don't know if this is your experience, I found that being a Palace fan, actually gave me credibility with with football fans because a i wasn't supporting one of the traditional top six people knew that i supported my local team and we weren't particularly Mm. good so that kind of gave you an in when you were talking to fans i found i think you're absolutely right i actually think throughout my whole career whether it be here in america when i meet all the fans that we do these fan fests around all the Mm. cities in america or the first 10 years of my career in the uk when people knew i was a palace fan it definitely gave you credibility because why on earth would you be a Palace fan? You've done your time. You've done your time. And bloody hell, have we, by the way. Um, And yeah, because I spent my entire teenage years watching the Ensley League Division 1 and usually somewhere near the bottom of it. Um, And so, yeah, I totally agree with you, Kevin. It definitely gives you credibility, for sure. While we're talking about those early days at the BBC, Rebecca, along with people like Jackie Oatley and Gabby Logan, you were a pioneer and I know from being there that women in football broadcasting had a lot of negative attitudes to overcome at the time. I remember Jackie Oatley saying to me that the first requirement of any woman in football was to know more about football than any man. That's the least they expected. And because Jackie's, I mean, she's forgotten more about football than I know. It's incredible. (laughs) But do you, do you think that that battle is won now or are there still hurdles to overcome for women? Really? Oh no, so many, so many, Kevin, in the everywhere. I think, I mean, there's just battles all in in sport generally, but certainly, obviously, I can't talk specifically to England because I haven't been there for ten years. But I, I, I can see what's happening in England. There are lots of positives. Don't get me wrong. When I left in 2013, there was Jackie, there was me, there was a a few others. Now, when we take the pre-match, post-match interviews in the Premier League, we rarely hear a man's voice. We might hear Des Kelly or Jeff Shreves once or twice, but usually it's a woman. The, The influx of women into the game has been brilliant, but I still see the abuse. I still can yeah. see it on social media. I've, mm. I, I read articles about whether it be fake or others at talk sport, who's amazing at her job. She talks to me about it. Other women in the game receive all this abuse that men just don't. So going back mm. to what you were saying about Jackie, she's absolutely right. In, back in the day, 
I used to fear making a mistake more than anything because you it's such a it's such a cliche and it's such a boring thing to say but it's just true if I make a mistake it's it's everyone is all over like a rash mm. if if you know um Gerald sins that bless his heart uh god rest his soul made a mistake mm. it just made a mistake was laughed up laughed endearing. off so that, yeah. Yeah. endearing and a, exactly a whole different level of expectation um and that was just something that you sucked up the thing that I found back in those days is, that's different maybe from now is that you didn't complain about it then because you were just so bloody grateful to have a job, by the way. Mm. And you knew that they didn't, that they weren't really giving you a job. They weren't really opening the doors to women. They were just, they, they let a few in, but they didn't need that many. So the fact that they had me, they had Jackie, like that was enough. Mm. So you were just like hanging on to this job as best you could. So you certainly weren't going to complain all the way through. I had some terrible times at ESPN. Again, never crossed my mind to to complain never which is terrible and i would do now but but in those days there wasn't the support for women that there is now the women were to be subjected to the abuse that i got god over and over and over over again at espn now the clubs would have to make public apologies there would be all yeah. sorts of things yeah, to yeah. support the woman but nobody nobody was wanted to do that back then that's not it's not even that long ago guys like 2011 2012 you know mm-hmm. But I find even now, and we'll get back to Palace in a minute, even now people, like, Gabby's a very good friend of mine. She, I think she's still underrated. People still think, oh, Gabby will do it if, if Gary's not available or if somebody yeah. else, you know, and Gary's brilliant. But what has changed, which is great, there are far more women on screen, which is brilliant. There are far more ex-black players on screen, which is great, Asian people on screen. And what hasn't changed is off behind the screen. In the production in the production offices, there's still not enough women or black people. Very few cameramen aren't white middle class blokes. Yeah. Very few directors. Yeah. So that's so, a shame. So it's rightly changed on the screen, but it's still not being reflected. And that's at, that's at Sky, that's at BT, that's at BBC everywhere. And I know they're trying to make a difference, but it's still it's it's taking some time. Even I spoke to a, for another pod, I spoke to the head groundsman at Leicester recently. He was brilliant, one of the best interviews I've ever done. But he was pulling his hair out because he said they're desperately trying to get young women, young black people to become ground staff right. because they don't see themselves mm. reflected on TV at half time. That's it. It's really difficult. Well, you know, a really good story, Kevin, for you, which which reflects all of this is Casey Stoney, who used to play yeah. for England, of course, and Manchester United women's manager, um, is the current manager of San Diego, San Diego Loyal, um, San Diego Loyal, San Diego Wave down in the NWSL um, here in the States. And my husband was assisting her for a while last season. And, and Casey and her wife have three children, including a little boy called Teddy, who's about six years old. And Teddy turned to her a few months ago. Just, this is just brilliant. And he said to her, mommy, did you know boys play football too? <laughs> because all he had grown up with is mom and mom, yeah. who are both professional footballers. He's all he's witnessing is a NWSL team, and for him, so that just proves your point that he see what he is seeing creates his world. Yeah. So all those young women and young black people that are not seeing the groundsmen, they're not seeing yeah. any of these people. Why would they think they could be them? So this is why we've got to enforce more change. I think we are so far away and it's a mm. bit depressing, but we are still so far away, Kevin, in all areas, aren't we? I, I, th- I think having said that, my favourite football story of the year was when the Canadian men's national team threatened to go on strike because they weren't getting paid as much as the women. <laughs> which was great. which is a great is a, a great, great twist. But that, um, that is great. When you were offered that job in America, which was a, a brilliant opportunity, was there was there any part of you that thought oh, I'd love to go, guys, but I can't leave Sellers Park? Terrible, <laughs> 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 Kevin. Is I haven't been to a game since 
I left England because my job is to present the Premier League. And now cool. I thought, yeah. let's be honest, based on my previous 20 years of supporting Palace, I thought we're not good. Once we went up, because I, I went to the playoff final against Watford <laughs> and then I moved to America. So I'm thinking, well, during an international break, I'll be able to go back and maybe see a Palace play in, in, in the championship because we'll go down. At some point in the next few years, we'll go down because that's what we had always done. Um, and it's never happened. So when they, they went up in 2013, I moved to America and we both stayed where we are. And I've never been able to go to a game. I've been to Selhurst once when Allardyce was manager uh, with NBC's team when we did the show from England and we went and watched training and spoke to Sam. But I haven't been to a game. And it pains me, pains me deeply. Rebecca, right. as, your, as your time in the States has coincided with Palace's time in the Premier League that well... Are you genuinely terrified that the idea of you coming back to yes. the UK means that Palace will be relegated? I'm never coming home. You're, you're yeah, not welcome. I'm coming home. No, I'm welcome. definitely not welcome. I know, I know. It's quite astounding, though. How are we still there? We talk about it's, it every week, don't we, Kevin? Every well, it's, week. It's, it's, it's incredible. Do you know what, Rebecca? For for years, we've we've decided it's because we turn left out of the bunny hole on the way to the Silas Park from the pub that's kept us up, and it turns out it could be you. Could be me. It actually, actually could be me. Up. I mean, you're welcome. You are welcome. Yeah, I, I, would, I, I, I just think, sorry, I just think that we can get ourselves into a situation sometimes as Palace fans in the last nine years where we start wanting more, don't we? We, we do. Yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. We, we're like, we were happy with mid-table mediocrity or, or you know, 17th for a number of years. Then we were like, okay, happy with like mid-table. And, oh, could we maybe, could we get into Europe? No, no, everyone calm down. Top we're 10, in the top Premier 10. League. I know. <laughs> Hello. Just, just having spent the previous 25 years witnessing what I witnessed when we almost went down to the third division. You know, mm -hmm. I'm just, I, I think I will be happy with mid-table mediocrity for a number of more decades. I'm not going to lie. I, I almost hesitate to mention Ted Lasso for reasons that all our listeners know. Uh, I'll sum up for you. I was asked to do um, a cameo role, Ted Lasso, as playing myself, football reporter, and the people in America went, yeah, we don't really know who he is. Could oh. you just send us a tape? Uh, and somebody else got the role playing me. No. I know. But do you uh, do you watch Ted Lasso just to see a bit of Salo's part? Well, uh, for sure. And actually, Ted Lasso was started off as a commercial in 2013 to promote my show. Yeah. That's the crazy thing. Oh, yeah. I did not know that. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. anyone who hasn't seen the original commercials, 2013 and 2014, it was... Um, NBC and Jason Sudeikis, essentially, and Brendan Hunt, who plays Coach Bid, got together and decided, let's do, you know, a Premier League's coming to NBC. We're going to make it bigger than the Premier League's ever been in America. They did billboards in Times Square. It was a huge big thing. And Sudeikis was going to make this skit, which he did, and it went viral, and it was genius. When he went to visit wow. Tottenham's training ground, he became Tottenham yeah, manager. Yeah, yeah. And then the following year, the return of Ted Lasso, and I actually was on that commercial, which was one of the greatest days of my life. We're going to play. Anyway, we're going to play a little clip of that, Rebecca, in the pod. We'll, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll oh, insert okay. a bit of the clip of that okay, if we can. Yeah. yeah, it is. It, he is honestly, they are geniuses. And then that was 2014. And then, long story short, Apple then decided this is worthy of a TV show, and wow. all of a sudden, it became the biggest TV show in the world. And what a joy it is. And I'm now actually doing a podcast for this World Cup with Coach Beard. So yeah. I get my oh, wow. fix every almost brilliant. every day. Um, and it's a, yeah, it is a truly brilliant, brilliant show. It gives me great joy when I see Palace on it as well. Um, I mean, but just what a, what a, what a great piece of TV and, and uplifting and joyous it is. Yeah, it may well be. I've never seen it, to be honest. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was able to parlay my coaching career into some on-camera work. I was doing some, uh, you know, some football punditry with Rebecca Lowe, and I had the pleasure of working alongside Arlo White and that golden, velvety, yummy voice of his. Whoever's got the most points at the end of the season, they're the champions. The bottom three teams, as you know, are relegated. Wait a minute, say champions again. Champions. I mean, that guy sounds like Elle McPherson farting into Miles Davis's trumpet. Let's um, oh, talk a little you. bit about your time in London, in North I London at Tottenham. How long exactly were you there? About six and a half hours. Six okay. and a half, and I don't know how that translates to uh, British time. You know, I made some rookie broadcast mistakes, as anyone's going to do in that situation. Hey, welcome, welcome to the London. Premier League right here. Ted Lasso coming at you right at home. I'm sorry, you're, you should start, not me. Go ahead. Let, let, let's do it again. Let's start over, yeah? Oh, Ted, we're actually, we're actually live right now. This is Ted, Ted Lasso. The oh, it's live. Tottenham. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. How was I supposed to know that? Oh, I thought that said live. Some of the words... You know, I got confused. I mean, that's tough. I mean, but if they're going to be relegated, you have to allow for that to be the regular relegation. You don't know what relegated means, do you? I don't. I do. I'm still confused of if it's regulated or relegated. I'd have to see it written because I'm a visual learner. My brief time with NBC Sports was a whole lot of fun, though. I'm Arlo White. This is... I'm uh, LeVar Burton from Lamar. Star Trek. And I got to say, from my point of view, I think they really like me. Now, if I was a Fulham fan, what I would encourage them to do, go out to the parking lot. Mm -hmm. Hide. You wait for the referee to come out there, get into his little car, and you follow him home. So you tweet his address, and you let the good people fool him take matters in their own hands. Obviously, don't go and do that, please. Hey, you do whatever you like. We can't condone anything of the sort. No, we can't. Live! Live! It's live! And we're clear on the floor. All right. Hey, that was fun. You're a Hi, she knew my nickname. Can, can I just ask, and it's not, it's not Palace specific, but it's like Premier League specific, have programmes like Ted Lasso, the Wrexham documentary, is it mm. having an impact on the, the profile of, of English and British football in, in the States? Or yeah. does, it, does it need an increase in, in profile anymore? Or do things like that help? Yeah, I think they help, Jack. I think everything helps. You know, um, soccer, God, football in America. It's is happened, guys. Going to <laughs> She's turned, guys. She's turned. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She's turned. It's really, We've lost really her, guys. Hard. We've lost her. Um, <laughs> I have to call it that. Otherwise, my kid's out there playing American football if I sign him up for the wrong sport. And we know we don't want to be doing that. Um, but NFL is always going to be, in all of our lifetimes, the number one. But the NBA, so uh, Premier League has already overtaken the NHL, the ice hockey. That's, wow. a, big, wow. that's a big deal. Yeah. Our show gets wow. more viewers than the NHL. And that's happened wow. in the last five years. Now, the NBA and Major League Baseball are the next ones to target. Major League Baseball is on the decline. Mm. So that's a big target for the Premier League. So it's... It's on the rise. It's the biggest um, growing. It's most most. I think it's the most played sport now in the states in terms of um, kids. But it's also the, the fastest growing sport in terms of to watch. Not MLS so much, um, although they get really big attendances. To be mm. fair, but mm. the Premier League really, really is, and they've had some great um, viewing figures for the World Cup. But it's still not rivaling that kind of NBA level yeah, yeah. yet. So anything we can do, Ted Lasso, the Wrexham documentaries, um, which are brilliant, and our fan fests, which really help when we take the show on the road, anything that we can do, um, we do do to raise the profile. And it has grown. The difference when I first arrived in 2013 to today, yeah. I cannot tell you guys, it's a different world out here mm. now. Okay, we have a big American connection now at Palace. What's the, the image yeah. of Palace in America, because I know that John Texter in particular wants to sort of portray us as a blue-collar underdog-type club. Is that working, or are American fans only really interested in the traditional big six? There are there are club um, 
There are fan clubs in virtually every city in America of virtually every Premier League club. So, oh, okay. uh, without a doubt. So, you've got Palace fans in, you know, DC. You've got Palace yeah, fans yeah. in Houston. They're everywhere. They've um, been over, as yeah. As are yeah. every other club, for sure. Yeah. Um, but I would say that that image is pretty accurate. I would say. Um, I think the stadium helps. <laughs> you know, I think when you watch a Palace, a Palace game and you get the aerial shot and you see the size of the stadium and the way it's built mm. and... The, the, all the, all the um, houses, the beautiful houses that, by the way, I used to dream about owning one of those. <laughs> oh, my God. I wanted one of those ones, those terrace houses opposite the entry to the Arthur Wake. That's where yeah. I wanted to live when I was growing up. I thought they were just the best. Um, so, yeah, so I think that that image is does come across like that. But the Premier League and for all football fans in America are really mature now, guys. They're really, really, really knowledgeable they're very deeply set into this Premier League. So mm. they understand underdog. They understand the whole way the Premier League dynamic works. They understand the big teams. Yeah. And there's plenty of fans of the big teams, but they, the other teams are really represented as well. Um, but Palace is probably seen, as you say, pretty much like, like you described. Kevin. My uh, sister-in-law, uh, Liverpool fan, but she's based in Fort Collins, Colorado. She loves you. She loves the show. She says your coverage is better than it is here. Yeah, it's kind of, but uh, so nice. she, like like many fans of other clubs, we've Palace for her. She's got no choice really. I don't believe in second clubs, but she, you know, she, Palace no. is kind of her second club. Have you managed to convert anyone in the states to being a Palace fan, or at least adopting Palace as their second club? Well, yeah, quite a few. Well, I don't believe in second clubs either. I think mm. I've come to realise that in the World Cup, you can have a couple of countries if you live in America, based on the fact that it is such a melting pot. But when it comes to clubs, I've been very strict with people and explained that you absolutely cannot have two clubs. That's just weird. So if I get asked at any point about who should I support and why, yes, I have managed to do some converting along the way. <laughs> um, but it's it's it, because a lot of fans who tune in, because it's a soap opera, isn't it? So once you watch the first couple of, if you've never seen it before and you turn on and you watch the first few weekends, you can you're very quickly sucked into this so this ongoing gift that keeps on giving which is the premier league mm. um and so then you'll get these fans who are just like well i love the premier league but i don't know who to support and that's where i come in and that's where i come to share my knowledge well that's <laughs> that's what i love about the Wrexham story because you know you've got these two guys one of whom went into the trailer of an english uh, extra in a sitcom and was just taken away by this passion and this energy and then he brings reynolds in and they 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 do a, an exercise and they pick Wrexham and they both admitted that they didn't really know about it. But now I'm convinced by them fully in love with English football. Oh, yeah. And once, once it gets under your skin, you can't shake it off. Can you English football? There's, there is no. something. Man, I, I, I mean, no disrespect to any other league in the world, some of which are technically better than us, but watching football in England at any level, and, and I'm talking down to, to the Mitchum level, yeah. It's, a, it's a different experience when you go and see a friend of mine lives in Switzerland. You see a third division game in Switzerland. It's, it's a different experience. It really is. Yeah. And, I, and I, I always try to wonder why that is. It, it's obviously a cultural thing, but you're absolutely right. Whatever level you go to, and I spent a lot of time in what was the Blue Square Premier, which is now, I don't know, the National League, I think. National League, um, yeah, when yeah. I, yeah. That's right. So I worked yeah. two years at Satanta Sports between... Um, the BBC and ESPN, and I was the sideline reporter at that level. And I fell in love with football in a yeah. in a whole different way for those two years. I would say those two years were up there with the best of my career because the the, the characters around those clubs, yeah. the deeply rooted nature of those clubs within those towns. I mean, I went to like Droylsden. Have you ever been to Droylsden in Manchester? I mean, what a brilliant mm. what a brilliant little stadium that is. I mean, it was just two years of just 
sort of raw football, really. And when you compare it, even in this country, college football, they say, college and college American mm, yeah, football, is, 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 yeah. is about kind of where they say you can compare um, the kind of rabid passion. But even that, it's it's more like a bunch of fans dancing in the stands with drums. It's not it's not like yeah. <laughs> we're hammering everybody. It's just a different world. I don't think there's anything else like it. I miss it so, so much. We're coming over, actually, for Boxing Day 27th and 28th to do the show wow. live from those three. And we do that at least once a year. And that just brings me so much joy. Just to, I just like to smell the smells. Let me smell the pies. <laughs> I want to smell all that, you know, deep heat in the tunnel. That brings me back to what uh, what I love more than anything, yeah. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. 
Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. When you're at Twitter, sorry, John, Jack, you go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, it's 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 a nice tie into the, maybe the first patron question, um, which comes from from Roland Cook, and he just asked you to explain about the fan fests that you host on on NBC in the states in terms oh. of kind of widening the, the the kind of attraction of the sport because you've been doing that for a few seasons. I guess mm. the pandemic might have knocked it on the head a little yeah. bit, but mm-hmm. you've been doing that this season for sure, haven't you? You've had one, I believe, this year already. Yes, we went to Philadelphia uh, for the weekend. In I've no idea when that was. Maybe October. October. I think it was October. Um, we've done eight now. So we've done wow. New York twice, Washington, DC, and they've grown. So New York, we did, I think in 2017, we did it actually inside and in sort of a where, disused warehouse next to the Brooklyn Bridge, which is just was a beautiful view and it was great, but it was inside. So it was a little bit more like almost like an exhibition center. It was kind of different. And then we've done Austin, we've done Boston, Miami. We did we're right on the on the ocean of Miami Beach. I mean, it was insane. Wow. I was like, is this my job? What the hell's going on? <laughs> um, and then Philadelphia, I think, was actually the best we'd ever done because Philadelphia is as close to an English football city as any I've come across in this in this country. It is raw passion for their sport. Um, blue-collar uh, city and fiercely, fiercely passionate about anything Philadelphia. So we turn up on a Friday and we build it while I'm normally hosting the Friday game. If there's a Friday game and then Saturday and Sunday, we open the doors at 6am guys. They are queuing when I'm going to bed. They are wow. queuing to get in at 10 o'clock the night before to get into these fan fests. And then we have to turn people away. I mean, we had, I think 15,000 people over two days in Philadelphia. Wow. Um, and it's basically, you know, what's so special about it is it's a, it's a, all fans together, big screens everywhere. We show all the games of course. And so everyone divides off into their clubs, you know, depending on which game is on which screen, but there is no trouble mm, because mm. it's a different way over here. They, they don't know about that kind mm. of the side of the game. You could imagine if you got Hyde Park and you rented it out and you chucked in 15,000 Premier League fans from all 20 clubs, it's not going to be the, oh, and beer and beer as well. It's not going to end brilliantly. It's about it? to it's L- that's well. a London, London news about seven o'clock on a Saturday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But exactly, it's, exactly. It, it's funny though, Rebecca, isn't it? As I spoke to some New York City fans, they kind of like the the idea of the ultra culture, the the visual displays. They like all that, but they don't. They luck, love it. But luckily, they don't get the undertow, do they? Which is good. Right. So, they, so you get the best parts of it without that snarkiness. Because, because Kevin, that doesn't really exist in sport here. Yeah, it, it, mm. sport in America is entertainment. It's not religion. It's it's more. I mean, there there are parts of it, but it's more entertainment. It's more of an event. I always remember my husband was the head coach of 
Sacramento Republic uh, here mm. in Northern California about six years ago. And we moved over and I went to watch his first game as manager or second game. And I couldn't see because the bloke was selling popcorn. I was like, mate, <laughs> and everyone's like, I'll have a bag of popcorn. I'm like, guys, can you concentrate on the game? What is going on? But then I suddenly realized this is a, fa- a family night out and the kids want popcorn. And then so-and-so yeah. needs to go to the loo in the middle of the game. I mean, you can go to the loo in the middle of a game in the first half or second half. You know, everyone's like, Oh God, yeah. in England, yeah. you know, when someone tries to get through you to go to the toilet, it's, it's a different way to view sport than it is. So you've got the ultras, they create the atmosphere. Sacramento Republic had their own version of that, but it was joyous. It's not, we're going to kill you. It's joy. <laughs> well, you, you say that, you know, what worries me about American sport and we had it at the Southampton game as a massive fan of the Simpsons. I worry about being killed by a t-shirt gun uh-huh. as, as, as Ned Flanders wife was. So this halftime at the Southampton game, they started firing T-shirts. I headed for the other side of the ground. I'm getting in the way of one of them. Just well, actually, yeah. also, let's not forget that we were at, at Crystal Palace. We preempted all of this American influence by the uh, Palace Crystals battle day, the ladies yeah, that yeah. I so desperately wanted yeah. to be when I was growing yeah. up. You, st- you yeah. still could be. You still could be. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you, but, but you know what's brilliant about the National League as well, which, which you don't get in other countries? It's like we've got dorking wanderers in the National League now, who 10 years ago essentially were a Sunday league team. And are now the same guy manages them, owns them, mm. uh, wow. is the chairman, and he still does he does the whole lot. And they're in the National League, and that's brilliant. You just don't get that. You know, I've got, I've got, I've got, I know we've got uh, time restraints, Rebecca, so I've got one question to just sum up at the end. But before that, I know Jack's got a couple more. Well, I'm just going to, and it's a shout out to, to listeners of the podcast from the, the Glad All Over San Francisco group, because I believe you met them Aww. at one of the Fan Fest yeah. recently. But do you see an increasing amount of red and blue shirts at the Fan Fest, just out of interest? Yes. Yes. Guys, there's loads. That's there good. is loads. Every Fan Fest I go to, I have a picture taken with the Palace fans and they all give me a shirt. I mean, it's just so lovely. They are, there really are a lot of Palace fans over here. Lovely. I, 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 not quite sure why. I think it's just like we go back to saying they are a team that for the last nine years haven't looked really that relegation threatened. So you don't want to have to go through that pain if you're picking a club for the first time. Um, it's I, I do think that the atmosphere at Selhurst comes over on the TV really yeah. well. Yeah. And I've got to tell you, somebody obviously who's been there many times, I'm so glad it does because the, not, these things don't always come across. You'll never walk alone comes across lovely. And of course, that's why so many Liverpool fans as well. Mm. But when you see the Palace players come out at Selhurst and you see that people fall in love with that guys and yeah. bloody hell so they should I just yeah, get tingles well, I'm getting tingles thinking about it now <laughs> well, I mean also it's quite a cool name as well it's quite a yeah. good kit it's in the London colours yeah yeah and, and we, we've had I think we had some guys over from Atlanta we had some from there's like been three different groups already this season in the Porsons Arms and uh, Love it. But but they're always so, it's almost a cliche, they're always so enthusiastic and so yeah. friendly in the way that Americans t- t- tend yeah. to be. That what it does is it gives you that, it reminds you yourself. It's like, you know, when you work in TV, for example, and you take someone to see a studio and they're all like, oh, my God, and you think, yeah. oh, I do have a good job. But it's when, yeah. when these guys come over... And they're just so excited about going to the palace, yeah. and you think, "Oh yeah, we do support a cool team, don't we?" But it's good. And they but, don't complain about how far away it is, and they don't complain. You know, all uh, these bloody people are the worst palace miles away. Can never get there. You just don't know the best way, I, I, right? I, you just don't know the route. I, I, make sense. I, I got into a correspondence with uh, Peter Jury some seasons ago, who's oh, lovely. Did you, did you Peter, actually? Peter. Because Peter Drury, Peter. Peter Drury wrote a match report for a Palace game, I think it's for the Independent, and, and talked about how difficult it was to get to. And I said, yeah, because you live in Wickham. For me, piece yeah. of piss. Yeah, I, yeah. Can, I can that, walk there. 
basically. <laughs> it's like, I'm, re- I'm really sorry that back in the day, they didn't have yeah. the, the nouse in 1923 to think, is this going to be a different journey <laughs> people in Wickham? Yeah. What, do you, what do you make of the current? I mean, I'd, I'd love to get your view from far away of the, of the current side under Patrick Vieira, Rebecca, because you, you actually look forward to leaving the pub now. This season and last yeah. season, after yeah. seasons of, should we stay here? Should we just watch it? <laughs> you, you generally, it's like Palace is back and it's just, for me, Vieira's such a good fit for the club for all sorts of reasons, but I, it is exciting. So I like, it comes back to what you talked before about, you know, let's not hope for too much. We're in the Premier yeah. League. We're playing good football. These are good yeah. days, aren't they? They really are. They really are. I, I, I've got to be honest, when we hired Pete Patrick Vieira, I thought it was brave. And I don't question pretty much anything Steve Parrish does. I think Steve Parrish can do everything for me that Steve Parrish does is the right thing. I think the guy, for me, is the greatest chairman in the Premier League and beyond. Yeah. I love him. But when they when he hired him, I didn't text him to say great news, I don't think. So I was nervous. I'd met Patrick at, um, in New York when he was NYC yeah, yeah. FC manager. And if you looked at his... CV, I, it, you know, it didn't scream, here's your Premier League job. I didn't think. But I'm so glad to be proved wrong because not only are we solid and settled at that level, but the way we play, I mean, it's, you know, we don't always get it right. He doesn't always get it right. And yeah. we are still inconsistent, but I don't care. I do not care. It's a joy to watch them. And it's and it makes you proud when other people say, I enjoy watching Palace. Because yeah. for years, I've sat in the studio with Robbie Earl. Robbie Musto, you know, Tim Howard, and they've, mm. and they've said, oh, God, is it Palace? Oh. And they're not bothered, but now yeah. they actually want to watch them, and that makes me proud. It's it's funny you say that, because yeah, hearing people like Alan Shearer and Gary Lineker say the same thing does does make you really, puts a little <laughs> spring in your... And I think that the thing about the inconsistency, that's happening because we're such a young team now, comparatively yeah. to before, and that's always going to happen. It will, it will happen with England. We put so much pressure on Jude Bellingham yeah. and and, yeah. and Phil Foden and Saka, but they're, they're kids. So, of course, things will go wrong. But we've not been able to say that in the past. And also, mm-hmm. please, for the love of God, you know what Steve Parrish is like, text him. He'll just, you know, he'll Formula 3 driver, yacht on Monte Carlo, won't mean a thing. Oh, yeah. He's going, she, Rebecca hasn't texted. This is... You know, it's like he's he, he'll be awake at night. You know, no, like, I don't worry. I've sent him many in the last couple of years of, of joy. I honestly, I just think you know, we similar to what I said at the beginning about we take for granted in the Premier League, we take for granted we have Steve Parish because I mean, just look around and look at the other owners. Just look around, guys, yeah. and please, please never leave. Please stay where you are. I just and it's not just what he does with the football side of things. You know, just the way he supports the community is 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 so bloody special. He really is. He really is proper. Yeah, well, I mean, we've got the warm hub opening at Sellers Park. We've got the food bank collection point. These, oh, um, these are things that other clubs do, but these are not necessarily things that we would have done under you different know, owners in the past. I, I, you know what? He, you're absolutely right. And he does things without fanfare too. My yeah. brother took his son recently, who's a Palace fan, um, to a game. And I told I told Steve because they were outside the players' entrance and Steve was walking along and my brother sent his little boy up to Steve for a selfie. And didn't say that he was my nephew or anything, had a yeah. selfie. And I sent the selfie to, because my brother sent it to me, I sent it to Steve like a few minutes later saying, you just met my nephew. Next thing I know, he's left a signed shirt at the reception desk for Oscar to go and get after the game. Oh, wow. I mean, you know, that just, this is the day of the game. He's got a million things going on. He doesn't have to do that. He just mm. doesn't have to do that. People like that are just, ugh. He's just the best. I love him. Just, just one more question, Rebecca. Yeah. Uh, and Jack sort of alluded to this in a way about getting soccer to be popular in the, in the states. A lot of 
British Premier League clubs now, English Premier League clubs, are owned by Americans, which leads to that. It used to be a conspiracy theory, and it's now an actual theory that as soon as you get 14 clubs owned by Americans, they're going to pull the plug. But does that raise does that raise the profile of the game in, in the USA? Are people, American soccer fans, looking to support clubs that are owned by Americans? Yeah. I think it's a number of things, Kevin. I think I actually think that the number of I know I know for a fact that the likes of Todd Bowley at Chelsea have only bought Chelsea because of the coverage over here. So his kid watching yeah. all the coverage and being able to get up every Saturday and Sunday morning and see all of this sport, which is not in competition with any other sport, of course, because no other sport is on on a Saturday or Sunday morning. So we have the whole of that to ourselves. And the top bowlers of this world and their kids have essentially grown up with this over the last 10 years and have started to realise the power of it. And I really think NBC actually should get a big pat on the back from the Premier League for introducing it in such a way to America's money. Mm. Because the money from America now going to the Premier League is, is as you say, so, so huge. Um, and I think what it also does is so many of these owners have money in other franchises over in this country. So they're part owners of NFL clubs or, or, or MLB clubs or whatever. And that then, it, it, it's like a cross-contamination thing. It's kind of, it helps the profile of the club in England if it's linked, like Liverpool linked to the Boston Red Sox because of the Fenway Sports Group. And so they kind of like raise each other. Yeah. And I also think that if you're a, a man or a woman over here who is solely into American sports only, you now cannot help but have the Premier League creep in because mm. if you're obsessed with Boston Red Sox, the Boston Red Sox owned by, I mean, not for maybe much longer, Liverpool's going to be owned by them, but you can't go to a Boston game without seeing Liverpool stuff everywhere. It's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. interesting how yeah. they're very clever with that, you know, and, and so many of these owners, there are very few American owners who don't own NHL or MLB or NFL clubs already or part of. Um, so I think it's it's really helping the Premier League in America just by having all of that American money. And of course, some of the owners haven't been great, but some of them have been really, really good. Um, I do think in the future, I've got to tell you. I do think there will be an, a game in America. I really do, Kevin. I really, I, I really do. Yeah, I, I, I think, like you say, let's be honest, if 14 are owned by American clubs, mm. they're not going to vote no, are they? No. Yeah, that's, oh, I was hoping to finish on an optimistic note. So Jack, <laughs> Jack, can you think? Well, I, I was just going to say, we've got two lovely questions. I'll merge them. Um, one's from Thomas Riley and one's from Jacqueline Hart, and they both talk about kind of the excitement in the studio. So Thomas asks, um, when it's a sequence of 3 p.m. games over here, are you watching the Palace game while the others might be watching a more high-profile game? <laughs> um, and Jacqueline asks, um, how berserk do you go in the studio when Palace do score? <laughs> oh, I wish you could ask the guys. I wish you could ask the guys. Um, yeah, so first question, we have a huge Barco wall divided up with all the three o'clock games. Some of the, sometimes there's, you know, six games. It's tough. So the two guys who I'm on with that week um, will have three games each including obviously a Palace game, but I will nearly always just keep my eye mainly on Palace. I try to look at the other ones, but it's really difficult. In fact, it's actually really difficult to watch six games at the same time. I find it a bit overwhelming. But yes, I, I will always keep my eye on Palace. And Berserk, I, I've gone Berserk. I'm yeah. not going to lie. I've gone Berserk. <laughs> I mean, the Dwight Gale comeback against Liverpool, that was, yeah. oh, I would wow. say that was about as Berserk as I've gone. Yeah, yeah. that was pretty good. Was but good then, one. you know, within seconds, I'm like, I'm having to come in. Within seconds, it's yeah. like, and now I need to drop my voice and become very much a broadcaster again. You know, it's hard. It's hard. Well, that was really good, wasn't it, Kevin? That was a really good broadcaster voice. That was a great broadcaster voice. I think she's voice. got a future. You. I, have, you, have you given up trying to be uh, neutral? Is there an a, a, a American person who watches your show who doesn't know that you support Crystal Palace? 
this is so interesting. So when I first moved here, my boss said to me, when I first signed, he said, now I know you're a Crystal Palace fan because we talk about it all the time, but now <laughs> it's not, let's not talk about it. And I was like, well, <laughs> that's a bit tricky because on my Wikipedia, someone has already outed me as a Palace fan. And in England, of course, as going back to Adrian Charles, we mentioned you yourself, Lineker, everyone, Jake Humphrey, we all know who they all support. <laughs> yeah, support yeah, it's yeah. okay to know that. In America, you don't know that. So Mike Tirico, who is like the number one sports broadcaster in America, who works with us on NBC, he hosts the NFL on Sunday Night Football. Mm-hmm. No idea who he supports. I know who his college team is, because we all know where he went to college. Oh, so wow. he's big on Syracuse. But him, Jim Nance, all the big... Mike Florio, you never know who... Mike, oh, Mike Florio. Florio. I have my suspicions. Right, exactly. But you don't know. They're, they're, they're not out about it. So... I am because it's on it's on the internet, so I'm not going to lie. In the studio, on air, I never mention it. The mm. boys occasionally will rib me if I say something. They might have a little side note, but I will never, ever, ever mention it. I, I just think that's taking it a bit too far for an American audience who are not used to that, and I don't want to be accused of bias. So I have a little show called The Lowdown, which I do on a Sunday after everything's finished. They turn the tables and Robbie, Robbie, Tim ask me five questions. And normally I can get some palace reference into that, but that's only on YouTube. Um, in terms of the main situation, I, I don't ever mention it. Um, but I think, it, but every, everyone knows because I put it all over my Instagram. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rebecca, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Uh, tell your dad to leave the Orange and Blue Cafe behind and come to the Porson's Arms. There'll, okay, be a, there'll, be a, there'll be a chair ready for him before each game. Oh, I hope you have a lovely time heart. when you come uh, over for, for the Boxing Day game. Thank JD you. wants me to say that uh, FYP will be back next week with one more World Cup pod before proper football resumes. Uh, Jack, it's always a pleasure to see you. Rebecca, thank you, thank Kevin. you so much for talking to us. Thank you, um, We wish so you all fun. the best with, the, uh, with your career and thank with you. Palace. Oh, I love you guys. This has been the most fun way to start my day. Thank you so much. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. 
Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insights said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants, or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But executive chef Guillaume Rabin of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insights said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants, or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But executive chef Guillaume Rabin of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. Well, there you go, Rebecca Lowe on the FYP podcast. What a fantastic guest to round off our mini series of interviews. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for giving us her time uh, in a very busy schedule. Thank you to Kevin as well for hosting fantastically. Of course, he's an absolute pro and taking over hosting duties when I wasn't around. And thank you, Jack, as well, for being the best producer this podcast has ever had, literally. <laughs> All good. Well, if, they, if the listeners have just heard it, then uh, that's that's the first job of my list. So. <laughs> Well done. No, you guys are brilliant. So I really appreciate you guys uh, uh, taking the reins on that one. And uh, it was uh, a wonderful listen. Really interesting. Some really lovely poignant bits as well. So, uh, but I knew Rebecca would be great. I knew she'd be great. So that was, that was brilliant. Um, Palace have played Jack a couple of games uh, in the last few weeks. John, John Paul Mateta is back on John Paul. John Philippe Mateta. That's his brother. That's how, that's his brother. That's how long it's been. I've forgotten the player's he's, name. He's a, a Pope and a striker. What a guy. <laughs> He's back on the score sheet. Are you excited? Palace are back in 
10 days time i think it is are you excited that we're back Ten, uh, two weeks, not quite two, weeks, two, two weeks. weeks 16 days from recording yeah i yeah. know uh, 17 days from recording yeah that the the boxing day fixture is now kind of looming on the horizon mm. a bit more than it was a few weeks ago at uh, the quarter final stage of the world cup now football's not happening every day you start to look ahead a little bit more but yeah. um yeah I, I mean as i kind of alluded to on the on the pod didn't even know they were really playing until I saw the result after after the game. But um, it's just good that they're all together. And it's probably uh, kind of a second pre-season. Given the disrupted pre-season that the, the, the Cup had with yeah. sets of players in different parts of the world at the same time, um, it's, it's probably a more useful period for, for Patrick and the coaching staff than, than the pre-season was. So, yeah, really good to, to kind of see them all together. They've had a break. They're back together. And they'll be looking forward to the, um, to the Boxing Day match as we all are. And uh, we did a World Cup episode a couple of weeks ago. We're going to do one more next week to sort of kind of round off the World Cup. Uh, are you and Anderson are back early? So actually that means they've probably got a decent amount of training time, more so than a lot of Premier League clubs. So actually Palace probably not looking in a terrible position. No injuries that we know of as well. So looking I think okay. We, I think we might have been the first club to be completely mm. uh, yeah, removed from the World Cup in terms of club duty and, and oh, sorry, international duty. From We don't mind that, do we really? We don't mind that. No real problem. It's a shame for the individuals involved, but from a Palace perspective, um, it's all good. So, yeah, onwards and upwards uh, for, for Palace. And, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how we do on Boxing Day. It's going to be a very weird set of fixtures because, you know, the only fortunate thing for, for Palace compared to some others is some clubs will play before Boxing Day. I think some clubs are due yeah. to play the Carabao Cup, which yeah. is crazy. Players straight off the plane into, um, into quarterfinal action in the League Cup. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to Boxing Day. It'll be it'll be fun, but yeah, still a small matter of a, of a World Cup to uh, to conclude. But Are you around next week for a World Cup episode? I may well be, um, but to be honest, I heard you dismiss my uh, suggestion of Sofian Amrabat because he plays for Mighty Fiorentina. I'm telling you, that guy. He might be tempted by SC25, but we'll see. Yeah, mate, 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 I'll be we'll honest, be. I read your list and actually in my head I was going, don't know who that is, don't know who that is, don't know who that is, don't know who that is. <laughs> you're, you're much more in tune with players than I am. Well, it's just, uh, yeah, probably too much time in my hand. Switching jobs, changing jobs at the moment. So, you know, the World Cup's fallen at a pretty good time in that sense. Oh, beautifully done. Well, we'll be back next week with our panel with the World Cup episode. And then we are back the week after that, I believe, with... Uh, will that be before the... Yeah, maybe we'll do it. That'll be before the... My preview. word. Preview. preview. We'll do a preview episode of... of preview Fulham, maybe, Christmas, yeah. Chris, yeah, yeah, yeah. Christmas. Let's do that. My word, it's been a long year and a weird few weeks. Anyway, Jack, thank you so much for... Uh, well, you and Kevin for bringing us this brilliant episode. Thank you to Rebecca for her time. Really appreciate it. And we hope that our listeners have enjoyed um, this mini series of interviews. Thank you to our patrons as well for their questions. Really appreciate that. In future episodes, we'll again be asking patrons for questions ahead of releasing episodes. So if you want to get involved in that, do sign up at patron.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash F-Y-P for that kind of uh, perk and lots of others, of course, including post-match pods and all the usual fun that goes on over there. But uh, it just remains to say thank you to everyone. Thanks for listening. We're back next week. Enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy the World Cup. Come on, England. Actually, this is going out after the quarterfinal. Well done, England slash unlucky England. And uh, we'll see you again very soon. Goodbye. When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. 
But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insights said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But executive chef Guillaume Rabin of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.